This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Welcome to the Heartland Daily Podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schieber from Healthcare News. Well, I am pleased to have as my guest today a man I met at a recent lecture series at Hillsdale College. Now, I was with a friend of mine and she recognized him and said, that's Bob Fioretti, the alderman and attorney from Chicago. What is he doing here? Now, the conference was called Big Pharma, and Hillsdale College attracts many conservative thinkers. And two of the speakers that week uh, were big names long associated with Democrats, which was um, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Naomi Wolf. Um, In any case, Mr. Fioretti, Bob Fioretti, told me the reason he was there is because he became well acquainted with the healthcare system because he is a survivor of cancer. And uh, his story especially rang a bell with me. Welcome, Bob. Hey, good to be here. Thank you, Anne. Now, now you wrote a short book, which you gave me, uh, on your cancer experience. And I was so floored by it because it was so similar to my personal experience with a family member uh, dealing with cancer as well. Um, first of all, tell us how you're doing. I'm in good shape, actually. I'm, I've been cancer-free since, I'll say since the operation and all the treatments that I had, which was in 2010. But uh, cancer is a, a type of a gift that keeps right on giving, and you always have to make sure you check up on your health. Uh, you have to eat healthy, uh, make sure you work out, have a healthy relationships, and always remember that tomorrow is not a promise. So we have to continue forward. Yeah. Well, that's marvelous news. And, and when I saw you, you looked like you were in great shape. And I met your lovely wife, Nikki. Um, now, you know, when I read the book, I underlined a few of these common experiences that uh, I had with my family member who happened to be my husband 14 years ago. And, and what I'm hoping to do today is perhaps talk about some of these common denominators, because I, I think they would be helpful to anyone who, first of all, is going through cancer. Uh, it's a big, frightening prospect, and and what they can expect from the healthcare system, which is kind of a mixed bag. You know, we have people who travel the world to come to the U.S. to get treatment, many times for cancer, but there are still a lot of things that can be done better. Don't you agree? Oh, I have to. I have to agree one hundred percent. I, the, a lot of the institutions that I went to, that I saw, all had a different form of treatment for the type of cancer I had, which was in my tonsils. Uh, and what they, each one wanted to do something differently. And uh, I had to make a decision on my own, uh, evaluate what was out there, and hopefully not be looking in a rearview mirror and saying, did I make the right decision? So uh, that's the way I viewed it. Yeah. Now, you know, one of the things that I found was interesting in in your book uh, was about the diagnosis. And and this is shocking because, you know, my husband, they missed his cancer several times. In fact, if it wasn't for the persistence of this one doctor who did an endoscope and knew cancer when he saw it, you know, the labs came back negative. Before that, two ultrasounds failed to detect any mass in his stomach. And and for you, it was tonsils. 
and, and you said the way you found out about your cancer was too pretty equally alarming. Um, tell us what happened with you. Well, I, they, my tonsils were taken out, and on the day of the, of the operation, I don't recall anything. And a few days later, and I was told to be quiet, not talk for about 10 days. I was in Alderman in the city council, as you re, uh, referenced it. Uh, a few newspaper articles told that I was going to have my tonsils taken out finally, and uh, I, I would be quiet, which probably pleased the current administration because I was a critic of them on terms of the way they were handling things financially. So um, it was about two, three days later, I get a call, and it was a nice late autumn day in October, and I'm out on my deck, and all of a sudden uh, the hospital said, when are you coming in for the treatment? And I said, <laughs> what treatment? <laughs> and are you, for your cancer. What cancer? And uh, I probably was yelling a lot louder than I just did right now and sat down, called my doctor, my primary physician, and he said, I didn't hear anything about it either. Let me go find out. So he made some calls, and within the hour, he called me back and said, Bob, you've got uh, cancer, and uh, uh, they're not sure what stage it is, three, stage three or stage four, uh, but they'll take care of you. And I looked at him and I, or as I was talking to him, and I said, hey, um, I want to get a, a second opinion on what needs to be done. And uh, however, I did go into the one institution, another, a third, uh, and my, my primary physician, after uh, taking my time trying to decide uh, which of the institutions, uh, called me up and said, uh, if you don't get into some place, uh, and this was about a month, six weeks later, if you don't get moving and get into a, a place real soon, I'm going to take you in myself by the end of the week, and uh, we're going to start treatment somewhere. And it was as simple as that. I knew it was serious, and I better get uh, moving, and I made a decision. Yeah, and you know, the, the, the thing is that it's so routine for them. A lot of times you feel like you're in on an assembly line. I mean, they're just doing so much, and a cancer diagnosis, they probably do that maybe several times a day. And you could see how it was overlooked. But, and you know, we can kind of laugh about it, <laughs> the story, but it's there's, there's nothing funny about it. You know, with a cancer diagnosis, it's shocking. It's shocking. And you're kind of in denial a little bit, and you do want to go out and get the, the um, number of different opinions and so forth. And then you also feel like the, you know, the clock is ticking. You really got to get moving. So definitely relate to that. Um, you know, the next thing I want to ask you about is treatment. You know, let me just, I, I do want to comment on that just a little bit further, because here I was, I was in very good health. Uh, or so I thought. I didn't have any problems, and I just said, "Hey, I can, I can, uh, you know, maintain for quite a while as I'm looking at all the various treatments until I make a decision on my own." So, but with the help of my primary physician, he helped me make that decision quickly. 
Yeah, and primary care physicians, I think, especially in these matters, are everything because you really do need somebody to walk you through the system. You know, the next thing I want to ask you about is treatment. And, you know, what I discovered uh, when it comes to cancer, that there are so many different options and and the decision is up to you where you're going to get treated, who your doctor is going to be, how much chemo, all that stuff. And then, you know, you're very mindful that it is a business, And, you know, my quick story, my husband was treated in a huge cancer center. And after every single clinic visit, we would spend an equal, if not longer time in the accounts office where his insurance policy was mined for what could be covered and what couldn't be covered. And I often felt like his his treatment plan was based on that insurance. Um, You know, our co-pays were very limited, but this was back in 2006 and your insurance now post Obamacare was a lot different. Um, tell us a little bit about the financial aspect that you came to discover. Well, well, there's a few things as you were saying it because I had to make uh, certain decisions on different institutions on what they offered of the type of treatment. Uh, some of them were very similar, and some of them were very radically different. That uh, it would take me uh, in a hospital for a week, uh, have chemo for a week, come back home for a week, then go the following week, have radiation uh, for a week, and that each one of them would be uh, a seven-week adventure. So 21 weeks or so of doing that those type of treatments at one institution, and it was a notable educational uh, institution who really wanted me. And it's not so much I see that they that they uh, want you to make the decision, but they try to sell themselves as the best institution to give you the treatment, and so you're all set in what you need to do. So uh, it, it becomes very problematic when they are uh, pushing you into their doors of their institution to give the treatment. And uh, when we talk about finances, my co-pays didn't uh, get there all the way. My uh, subsequent uh, uh, treatments all the way. At one point, I was probably with a Cadillac insurance policy, about $170,000 in debt for what was uh, owed from the to these various medical institutions, and I mean various ones across the board. And so it started to, it, that begins to wear on your own psyche too, to be uh, in your own mental health on how do you make the payments. And once in a while, uh, I would make all the payments. It did take me quite a while to, to pay off that medical debt. Um, but doctors all told me, oh, don't worry about it. You know, go into bankruptcy. Well, I was an elected official and I'm a lawyer and I thought, and I I told the various doctors, I can't do that. It would set a bad example for people out there, people in my community. And as you mentioned Obamacare, uh, I was elected in a very uh, diverse, probably one of the most diverse areas in the city of Chicago. And uh, I went to many churches telling people to sign up for uh, Obamacare, sign up for health care because we need to get everybody out there and, and have a good healthy lifestyle and uh, uh, I, I backtrack a bit and as I say this because uh, it took it took me about those 10 years to pay off that debt 
but you'd have once in a while, I, I, as the bills would come in daily through the mail and you're opening them up, uh, well, I got to pay this one a few dollars, that one a few dollars. And uh, it does take a toll on you mentally saying, how much do I have to pay for all this uh, health care? And, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at what's happening. And should you be paying for your own health care or uh, to make sure you stay alive somehow in this whole process? So. Yeah, and you know, it just makes you wonder what the heck is insurance for? It's supposed to protect you uh, with high expense uh, possibilities, and you know, it, insurance used to do that, and then and everything changed with Obamacare, and it got highly regulated, and there were fewer choices, and then you know, I you hear stories, many stories of people having huge debt loads with these great Cadillac plans, and it's really kind of sad to see. And, and you shouldn't be uh, worrying about paying uh, for it to stay alive here. I mean, the numbers are uh, astonishing, and I, I've looked at them before. I've had clients that have come in, as, as I am an attorney, who have had uh, huge debts from uh, the issue of, of their medical care and what they pay for. And, you know, here, I mean, the numbers that have been thrown out, you know, half a million people file for bankruptcy because of their medical bills. And the price of uh, medical care in this country is really out of sight. Uh, I think I've seen some studies that about uh, 12500 per person that they pay on medical care. So with those numbers, and and depending on what your uh, average pay is, that that takes a big chunk out of uh, uh, your everyday living. So yeah. it's become a problem here. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've been talking about the medical care, but there is a huge part of cancer, which is support care. Um, and, and this is a huge thing. I mean, it deals with things like nutrition, mental health, pain management. You know, my feeling was a lot of these things were given short shrift uh, by this big cancer center. And, and they were things that had a huge impact on my husband's income, outcome. Um, did you happen to find that, you know, in your, in your book, you talk a little bit about that, about your feeding tube, because you had surgery on your throat, which you absolutely need to stay alive, right? Um, and you had this feeding tube, which was a lifesaver, you said, and, and something I think might have benefited my husband, as a matter of fact. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I had been approached uh, because of my position and being known in the, in the uh, city of Chicago by other people that had some sort of throat cancer, uh, tonsil cancer, and uh, they were all divided dependent upon how much radiation and how much chemo they got. Uh, but. I made the decision to have the feeding tube put in uh, and have a feeding tube, and I was lucky I made that right decision because as the radiation went on, it became more and more burning, and at, at one point I couldn't uh, swallow anymore. And, it, and because of it, just like I said, the feeding tube was a lifesaver for me. Uh, I don't know what I would have done without it. Uh, however, it did cause other problems. Mm. Uh, you start losing your body fat after three months uh, when you have a feeding tube. And I had a feeding tube in me for about seven months. 
and as your body fat goes, so is, so does your ability to uh, deal with hot and cold uh, weather. And so sometimes below 65, I feel like I'm in the Antarctic. Above 75, I'm in the Sierra Desert. So uh, those kind of factors all come into play too. And but. It, Again, it affects your psyche, your mental health, how you approach life, uh, and you have to have those healthy relationships that are out there. I had people often that would just stop by, uh, knock on the door, give me soup, give me something, um, and I try to have a little bit of sip of, of it or whatever I can do to eat, and uh, it just kept me moving all the time. Uh, and I should say on the feeding tube, you know, that became a problem or a serious situation in and of itself um, because you had to keep it clean, uh, keep it clean every day, baking soda, what to do. Um, I'm glad I had it, but it then led to uh, around my stomach wall. Uh, other additional problems and I was popping hernias after my cancer and at one point the doctors all gave up and they said here we're going to cut you open take all that out put everything back together and I had a new stomach wall built because of the feeding tube that I had which did save my life yeah and I lost at one point 60 pounds I put 50 back on so I'm in pretty good shape right now good well good um, you know, the last thing I want to ask you about is just cancer care in general. I mean, you know, can what do you think? I mean, can we do a better job in the healthcare system and really caring for cancer patients? I mean, I felt the whole experience was very piecemeal. Um, was this your impression? And, and what would you like to see? Like, you know, if you could design a health plan that could buy peace of mind for people in the event that they get cancer, what, what do you think something like that might look like? How would you do it better? Have you ever thought about that? I, I have, and I've been trying to find the right kind of a system that can help those that have any kind of uh, uh, health care problems or medical problems. Uh, I think you need to have a portable health insurance program uh, that's uh, uh, not so many regulations that, that can you can you the individual can carry it to wherever you go. I had a small uh, law office. We had 16 lawyers at one point. Uh, we did most of their health care insurance. We paid for it. Um, but at the same time, as you see the rapid rise of health care with 16 of them, uh, we had, I think we were paying more for health care than we were for uh, the, the rent uh, of our offices, which were in downtown Chicago. So all of that impacts on what you have to think about. Um, I, here in Chicago, there's been a movement, uh, uh, including that health care is a human right. Well, I, I don't know if I would want to go that far, but I would want to say that if, if you believe that, you have to maintain your own health. You have to make sure you're eating properly, exercising properly, and again, having a good mental outlook and help those around you and have healthy relationships. So, because it impacts something like like such as cancer impacts on you and uh, on your caregiver or those that are around you. Um, financially, 
it takes an impact on you. Uh, I had a, I was an elected official and an, a lawyer here in the city of Chicago. I spent most of my time, 40 to 60 hours a week being an alderman. And uh, if you're not out there, you, I mean, I, at one point I remember the snow coming down. I looked out the windows of my home and I'm like, how are we going to get the streets uh, uh, plowed? <laughs> what a yeah. Uh, my law office, and it was right during the recession uh, at that point. What do we do? Uh, what do we need to do? I mean, I think anybody that has a stage three or four, they should really step back, uh, take the time off, give everybody, you know, several months. My doctors always said afterwards, well, you should take four months off. And I didn't have that availability or time because of my positions that I had. And I wish I would have. I think I would have been healthier, quicker. But uh, it is what it is. And I am in good health now. And thank goodness uh, to my wife, uh, uh, who helped me out through the uh, the whole time, and uh, we need people that can understand that it impacts you emotionally, mentally, and financially, and uh, everybody should be prepared for those type of situations in families. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about it, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could have, like, custom-tailored insurance? So, you know, and, and even the co-publisher of Healthcare News, John Goodman, has talked about this Centers of Excellence, you know, having buying a, an insurance plan that perhaps just covers cancer. And, you know, you, you buy insurance in different parts of your life, one to protect your home, one to protect your car. Um, you might get short-term disability insurance. You know, all of these things take care of individual things. And when you've got this big lump sum insurance plan that has to cover everything that's dictated by the government, um, you know, you, there's a lot of stuff in there you'll never use or need. And uh, it, But then when you need it, it doesn't cover what you need it for. So I just kind of wish we would get back to more customization, how it was way before, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could buy a plan and maybe it wouldn't cover childbirth if, you know, you were older or whatever, or if you didn't have uh, elderly care if you were young. I mean, it would be nice to be able to do that, but I don't know. That could be just dreaming for now. Well, I am so but, glad. Oh, there okay. are yeah. like that, and I like that idea, so maybe everybody out there should be <laughs> thinking about that, and let's put it together. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's hope so. We have a lot on the agenda when it comes to health care in the country. And, and let's hope that we do get some reform here pretty soon because a lot of people uh, really do see a need for it. No, and I, and I have to agree with you. I think people see the need for uh, efficient and effective type of health care. I mean, what is our purpose of our health care system but to make sure individuals and our population at large is uh, healthy? But we, we almost in our schools have to start teaching people on how to be healthy. Uh, we talk about all these other ways that we have to teach our young, our young folks going through uh, school, but one of them is how to be healthy, what to eat, uh, what you need to be eating, how to exercise in, on a daily basis to make sure you can get through the rigors of, of what's happening out 
there. One thing, one thing I, you know, want to point out. My cancer. Uh, the doctors, first of all, said, well, it was a genetic, or was it uh, a virus, or was it environmental? And they really came down that it would probably was environmental, and because of it, I. I look at what what happens, and uh, uh, you know we need to find ways to address cancer problems for everyone in this society that we're there. And I had a lot of help from uh, people around me, and including uh, Dr. Sandy Goldberg, who was uh, a president and founder of. Uh, a silver lining foundation which deals with uh, breast cancer for women and I met her and she was very uh, helpful in my uh, travels in this cancer journey that we are in so uh, and it's people like that they can always help you yeah well that's that's great Bob can you tell us where people can get your book uh, it's actually it's been on Amazon. Uh, they can go to Amazon and my cancer journey, uh, Robert W. Fioretti, uh, and it's really about the club that nobody wants to uh, be a member of. So uh, they can get it there, and you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Bob Fioretti Shy, uh, or even on Facebook. And I do talk every so often about that and about my cancer journey and. Uh, what has happened well thank you so much for coming on the podcast this is great and i'll include a book to a link to the book and your twitter and um i really do appreciate your taking the time and and all the best in your recovery and and thanks for sharing your experience uh which you know i i think this will be such a blessing to so many people in similar in similar situations um you know because it's a tough battle fighting 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 cancer Marie, thank you, and uh, I think we just have to spread the word that we're all in it together, and again, life is, tomorrow is not a promise, and uh, uh, sometimes, as my wife would say, uh, a, a quote out of uh, Winston Churchill, when you're going through hell, keep right on going. Our prayers are with you. Thank you. Thank you, and to everybody that's listening, so thank you again. All right. Bob Fioretti is a cancer survivor, but he's also well-known as an attorney and former alderman in Chicago and well-known in Illinois politics. And like I said, I'll mention, uh, I'll have a lot of information in the podcast notes. Thank you listeners for tuning in. As always, pass on the link. If you enjoyed the show, become a regular subscriber and give us a thumbs up on your podcast platform because it really does help spread the free market message in healthcare. This is Anne-Marie Schieber.